Hey guys, welcome to the 25th episode of the Learning Podcast and if you aren't sure, it's a Singaporean podcast dedicated to learning something new from every single guest on this show and today I have a friend I met at the NUS Business School, his name is Darren. Hi, hi. Darren's expertise is in the blockchain, trading, crypto industry yeah. and I must first say that I'm dumb shit when it comes to all this kind of blockchain like crypto stuff although I know I had a quite a lengthy conversation with Royal I think about 10 episodes ago when it comes to what the potential of blockchain and crypto is and I know that Darren from his expertise as well I hope that he's able to break things down in a more layman's term to make I'll, things I'll try my best understandable <laughs> understandable for people who might be interested to uh, look into crypto as a asset worth investing oh, yeah, in and yeah, I maybe sure, sure. I can just ask you about your general perspective of investing I'm, it's something I'm very passionate about mm. I'm not sure if that's like like general macro investment strategies that you use personally yourself and if you're willing to share as well i think this conversation might be helpful darren is currently a trader at qcp capital that's right and i'll leave uh, it up to him more to elaborate what it does okay. uh, he also worked at previous companies such as dbs yep. and he was a senior research analyst at nus investment society oh, right? yeah, you went you went to my linkedin dude. <laughs> yeah I just, I just went to linkedin okay uh I wanted to ask you about like NUS Investment Society. Like I have yeah. no idea what it does. So I think that perhaps there's someone on the other side. Mm -hmm. uh, I get a lot of messages from people who are going into university. Yeah. So I think this podcast, I hope this conversation might be helpful to let's say what kind of opportunities there are within NUS. Yeah, for sure, because for I sure. know NUS has a lot of like investment society, what all kinds of clubs you can mm -hmm. just create, right? Mm -hmm. And I think it's quite interesting. Darren is also a rug rugby player yes, as well. Yes, and I think correct. that I think there's a certain values that sports brings yeah. to life life as well. I don't know I don't I don't need to sound too motivational or inspirational order, but I'm just interested in your perspective of how your experience in sports shaped you because mm. you're from AC as well. He is from NUS Business School as well and he majored in finance. I majored in marketing and both of us we actually crossed paths before we were group mates in the econs module. I think it was four years ago. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so correct. uh we worked with each other for a while then we went our separate ways. That's yeah. usually how yeah. university works. And I think that's probably I had like a short informal lunch with you at NUS Business Canteen. I just remember that you, you like, we just sat and just like okay, talked. Okay. I remember Maybe after briefly. class or before class or something. Yeah, yeah before yeah. class or after class. So a couple of reasons why I think this conversation might be helpful. I think if you are ever interested in learning more about blockchain, this is definitely one. Learning about NUS Business School, this is definitely one. His general thoughts. And perhaps I think the last conversation is that Darren, like me, we graduated from the same batch yeah, from NUS yeah. Business School. And I think that we can talk about, let's say, our career goals, financial goals, relationship goals, materialistic goals, just our perspective and outlook of life over the next perhaps 20 years. I know it's a bit like <laughs> ideal, idealistic to think about that, but yeah. maybe you can just talk about it. Because yeah, I'm sure, interested sure. to find out your perspective okay, as well. Okay. okay. Sorry for anything all the way. Uh, Darren, for those listeners that don't know who you are, could you give an introduction about yourself? Alright, so so like uh Tamkin has already mentioned. Uh -huh. Yeah, so I, I I was studying in NUS business school. Mm. Yeah, I went through just a general finance degree. Mm. Uh went through it honestly not really knowing what I wanted to do. Mm. Uh just kinda kind kinda finding my, my, my own way along the years. Mm. Uh yeah, so I know like like he said, I, I was just playing sports, I was just kinda doing my own thing throughout school. I didn't stay in hall. Mm. Um, that's because I, I just because I live very near school, like five minutes away. Oh yeah, yeah Clementi, yeah. right? <laughs> like Pasir Panjang. Yeah, Pasir Panjang. Yeah, so I live super close. Uh, and then, and then I, I just felt that there was there was so much commitment, like if you wanted to stay in the house, mm. you had to do your sports, la, mm. and you had to be part of this, part of that. And then I'm I'm I I'll probably like sort of like ghost. Oh, yeah. go, go. A phantom yeah. la, phantom. Yeah, I'll probably say, be right? kind of phantom guy. So ah. I thought, oh, yeah, forget it lah. Yeah. Mm. So I just kind of went to school, yeah. Mm. Mm. I mean, going back when you were JC in AC, right? Why, why NUS Business School? How, what was your thought process in choosing a university course for yourself? Oh, honestly, it was quite arbitrary, la. Like for me, 
Like it was really just between NUS or SMU. Yeah, and I know I actually wanted to go overseas. Yeah, I, I thought like the idea of going overseas would have been quite fun. Uh, but then it's it's so expensive. Uh, and then you no, know, there are so many other things to consider. And then like like eventually I I decided to stay local because like at the end of the day this is going to be my battleground right. This is going to be my career place and my home. So I thought that if I went through school locally, uh, that would give me like the best uh, idea of like what I'm doing or what I want to do lah. You no, know, being in Singapore. Yeah, so so for me it was between SMU and NUS, and and I think I chose NUS because because it it gave you more opportunity to to do more random modules lah. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Right. That's the thing I think is good about NUS, right? Yeah, exactly. What, what random class do you take? So so I know I really okay. Honestly speaking, right, I got to say first that I I enjoy like the random I I enjoyed the random classes a lot more than I did like the the business the, modules. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> same for same for me as well actually. Yeah. yeah so there there was like the, the the philosophy basics, the fundamental stuff, uh, and then there was this mod called Idadakimas. Idadakimas, oh, Japanese. Yeah. Is, it? <laughs> yeah. is it a language module? Or no, like? it's not. It's not. It's a. It's literally about Japanese food. Yeah. So it's like Japanese food history. So they talk to you about how you know uh, the development of uh, Japan's culture and why you know beef is so popular now. When in, in actuality, uh, in the past when Japan was was like you no, know, uh, when when they when they weren't like uh, influenced by by Western the Western yet, uh-uh. right, they were actually primarily a vegetarian diet. It's cool yeah, because of like the Buddhism and the Zen Buddhism and everything. Yeah. So so it was actually uh, they actually saw be- meat or beef as like dirty. Oh. Initially, yeah, it's only it's only after uh, the entry of uh, the Western powers, particularly America, and then they saw how like the Westerners were becoming powerful nations, right? So then they they start saying like, oh, they are so strong and so big and like powerful. Uh, maybe we should follow them and eat beef. This was in the early 1900s, uh, uh, is it? This like, like 17, 1800s. 17, uh? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think okay. 1800s, like, I think, around there. Oh. Yeah. So, so I mean, like, so, so, I mean, the point is that this, there's this kind of modules that mm. the NUS offers. I know SMU doesn't offer these yeah, kind of yeah, things, right? It's, it's all it's, like it's purely business, business. business, business, everything exactly. just business, right? Exactly. Yeah, that's one thing I like about NUS, but yeah. not NTU, like, NTU never crossed your mind. <laughs> No, far, I mean no offense far. to NTU people lah, but it's just it's it's like it's so far and so segregated, so I just that's never really crossed my mind lah. That's true. That's yeah. true. When it comes to your time in NUS, how why finance? Why finance? Okay, honestly speaking, I, I think this this also comes down to like why even business, right? Mm. So when I went through JC, I mm. I didn't like science. Yeah. Oh, you're ruling out things that you hated okay. yeah. <laughs> Same same. <laughs> <laughs> then I I okay then the idea of law, for example. I was like, oh, I got look through all the clauses and read so much, not all this, not nonsense. I like, read all this stuff, and like, I thought it could be quite boring. So I then, so like, my only exposure was like business, lah, because of my dad and my brothers and everything. So, so naturally, I just sort of like gravitated towards towards business, like the most general, so that I can sort of like find my way from there. Mm. Yeah, I mean, looking back now that you have graduated, mm. like, would I mean, I don't like this kind of conversations, but on hindsight, if there's someone else listening, right, mm. who is about to make their choice for universities right is there anything that you would have said to yourself back when you were thinking of what to study or you thought that it's really impossible at that kind of age to really know what you want and like the process of elimination of what you don't like like how we did mm. sciences was definitely not for us uh, that's how we chose our university courses but yeah. I have some other friends who have uh, extreme stunts like oh you should you should like go extreme like oh yeah. don't go university just do what you like on that <laughs> kind of stuff so like what is your perspective on that well, in I'll, terms of things you could say to your past self. Okay, okay. Um, 
No, actually, I wouldn't change a thing. Like, I, I think mm. like the process of elimination from from at that point when you are you know, at the crossroads is probably the best way. Although, although you are el- eliminating something that you don't know whether you might like or so. Yeah, that's but, true. Right, yeah. but then at the end of the day, it's like any outcome is the best outcome. You mm. can you can't change a thing after that, right? So I mean, for I think that's always been my mentality, lah. You know, I just choose this path, and then I just kind of go with it, and then go with the flow, and like see what the universe has to offer, lah. Yeah, but. Uh, I mean, like now, now when I talk to my friends in law and medicine and everything, and and, and I talk to them, it's actually super interesting. Yeah, it's not it's not just about like the the science or like the bio- biology, you know. Yeah, yeah. Or in like law, there's so many aspects to it. Uh, like they they talk about like all the way from litigation to corporate and all. And it really covers so many things, and it's a lot of philosophy, a lot of uh technic technicalities to it as well. So so like. Going if I mean, if I really wanted to think back, maybe I would have enjoyed law also. Oh, that's interesting. Maybe, maybe I would have. You're yeah. the reading kind. I I I do I I do love reading. Mm. Yeah. Of all the majors that you decided in NUS Business School, why finance? Why finance? Uh, like there I, was I, marketing, <laughs> operations management, human resource. Uh, what other majors are there? I mean, to be very f- uh, okay. Uh, what other majors are there? I I don't know all the data stuff. Oh da- yeah, 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 data analytics. Yeah, yep. correct. Mm. Um, if you want to ask me, like, why finance? I would say it's an exposure thing, cause uh, my my fam- my immediate family, uh, mostly do like like sales and uh, and a lot more a lot of money stuff lah, like trading. So that was my exposure, right? At the same time, I know I had this whole idea like you know you finance is probably the most well paid. Yes. Uh. Yeah. So I mean, it's a fact lah. It's a fact. <laughs> I guess statistically yes lah. Yes. Uh. But uh, yeah, it's kind of yes and no also you know. Okay. What? Yeah. Why? Why do you say that? Uh, I I know I think people have this idea that. That you no, know, it's always those front office stuff, right? Mm. And like the, the investment banking or mm. trading, mm. or you no, know, all, all those really like big money stuff. Yes, all those guys, all those people who work there really get paid very well. But there are also like the more operational stuff in finance, uh, the more back end stuff, uh, the risk management, mm. and all these things are, are not as glorified, right? So people mm. only see the all the glorified stuff and they think, oh, it's, true. it's, it's so amazing. I mean, there's a whole spectrum. Exactly. La. And exactly. it definitely appeals, I mean, different jobs could appeal to people yeah, differently. Exactly. Well. Not everyone is meant to, to be that investment yeah, banker at yeah, JP Morgan, right. that kind of stuff. Yeah. So so I, I think like all those front office stuff, they really pull up the average of like what finance oh, people earn. I see, I see. Yeah. But in the actual fact, I, I think honestly, most industries at, at like entry level, uh, quite, 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 quite the same, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But then again, uh, for me, it's it's been it was the idea of money. I want the money to be very frank, right? To me, it's like I don't like law, I don't like phys- like science, so I just go for money, lah. Yeah, and then but then I think going through it, I realized halfway through is it wasn't so much about the money, so uh, I mean of course finance is about money, but then uh, there's a lot of sort of like science to it, like it's about a game, is it? Yeah, it's like gaming, how you game the system, the yeah. str- the strategy. Uh, the technicalities to to how you like the philosophy behind like even the governance like of the financial bodies etc. Then all these things come into play and you realize oh there's actually a lot more to it, and it becomes like you know there's there's history inbuilt in it. Uh, there there's that's like it's so such a large spectrum like you know. I mean yeah. there's just so much to learn about it that it's almost exactly. impossible to learn finish it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. When back to time in NUS business school, mm-hmm. I mean generally how do you feel about your time there? In terms of the curriculum, the classmates, the environment, how competitive mm. it was. I mean, having having looked back and graduated, like how yeah. how much has it shaped you to who you are today? Mm. I I think for me, NUS like my experience in NUS is actually quite quite chill in a way, because uh, you you kind of get in. Uh, okay, for me when I when I got in, I I just wanted to make the best of it, right? Uh, see what it had to offer, because I really I don't know why I don't know. So so to me, I I went in there and 
I, 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 okay, in hindsight, after four years, I would say that I, I had a really good time. Maybe I didn't uh, squeeze as much as I could out of NUS. Because I, I, I think when you go in, uh, there are so many opportunities that as a student, you, you need to uh, individually go and find out about. No, for they example, won't promote it to you Exactly, uh. exactly Maybe they will have Some sort of flyer Or email or something But yeah. a lot of times You don't read those things right? Yeah Yeah, like even stuff Like um, What was that? The going to overseas uh, for, the six, uh, for the six months thing Oh I went for NOC Yeah, I went for NOC And I'm sure it was like Super good time It was for crazy right? yeah, It's the best part of NUS for me Exactly, though. exactly yeah. So like I in, in hindsight There are some Maybe these little things That I regret Because I'm like Oh, I didn't really pay So much attention To what school had and then like there are stuff like NOC and all, and you, you just kind of know about exchange, but NOC is a whole like different thing, you know, like the whole work experience and like the the startup life culture and tech and everything. I think I think that would have been interesting if I went for it. Yeah, but then if you talk about just uh, generally my life in NUS, I, I think I think it was good. I made good friends. Uh, I I honestly that was the I would say the biggest takeaway, because uh, I I went in thinking oh no like. I may not make like a lot of good friends because everyone's just kind of doing their own thing, going about their own stuff. Schedules all different, uh, but then you you end up having some friends that like I think will stay with you for life, yeah. Because you end up also in, like the same industry, uh. No, you go for drinks together. No, you just have fun together, even after school. Yeah. yeah so I think that would have been my biggest takeaway. Uh, in terms of modules. Uh, <laughs> what do you say, but? What is, do you say, but in terms of modules? <laughs> oh no, there is something coming. Oh no. So like in terms of modules, uh, I thought. In, in a way, it's necessary, right? The whole holistic thing. They kind of okay. want to give you an, like a little uh, taste of everything. Yeah, yeah, like marketing and like all the accounting. And, and all these are all necessary fundamental skills. Uh, I, I do agree. But there are a lot of things also I, I thought were a big waste of time. Like? Like, like uh, I thought leadership was a big waste of time. The MNO modules, is it? Yeah, dude. Mm. Yeah, I mean, while, while it's chill, you know, you just sit there and kind of listen and then oh. just class part and, and talk mm. some, some, you smoke something. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. It's but how it's process. It's okay, but I, I would can, say can that- Can you paint a picture for someone listening on the other side? How is class, how is this leadership class? Like, it sounds very nice though. Sounds very nice. Does but it sound it, nice? Like, no, I see the title, <laughs> like leadership and entrepreneurship, this, all this oh, kind yeah, of, yeah. I feel that I'm always like deceptive by <laughs> all these kind of nice modules. You know, when I take it, right? Yeah. Then it's like, oh shit. Like, but can you paint a picture for someone listening out there who has never been to any US business school? What kind of, what, how is it conducting? Like not, not to bash mm. in US or whatever, but just no, painting, uh, yeah, yeah. painting a realistic picture from your perspective, mm. or maybe I can supplement my, my perspective as well. But okay, okay. How, how is it, how was the class like? So I, I think in a way it's it's quite nice because you sit in a seminar room, right? Mm. For most of them. Mm. And then you you there's a lot of interaction or a lot of time forced interaction. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what well, elaborate on forced Okay, uh, so so as if if those who don't know, right, uh NUS used to be a lot less strict on uh class participation. Mm. But but because over time when SMU came up and like they are a lot more like corporate and, and they are a lot more well trained in terms of talking, you know, interviews, etc. And then they, they saw that uh, I think I think some sort of school stats that that like SMU were, were like getting more well paid. Yeah, like, graduates like yeah, some survey gra- and all this exactly, kind of stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Like they were getting better response and comments mm. So uh, NUS decided suddenly decided okay we're gonna make all the <laughs> class part twenty thirty percent dude. <laughs> yeah. So the, the the percentage of grade that you mm. get right determines on how much you speak la. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Forced interactions and and and, then, and what happens in when when that when they force these kind of things is that. You, you get a lot of people raising up their hands. Obviously, you would know, right? To say some <laughs> random shit. Uh, oh, sorry, can I say it? No, sure, sure. You can say anything. Say, anything. <laughs> say some random shit. And then mm. you sit there and you're just like, oh man, this, this is complete. Like, I don't know. If, I don't even know whether this is a condu- conducive like uh, argument or yeah. conducive like uh, uh, discussion, you know? Uh. 
Yeah, but I, I, I would say that the best part about all those classes is that it's, it's a lot of fluff and a lot of smoking. Mm. So, like, you can chill out. There's mm. not a lot of homework. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, so I, I guess that was a good thing for me. Mm. Yeah, but for those for those who you know to to paint like the picture, yeah, I I think it's just really a lot of talk bullshitting like, in class. Yeah, in terms of like actually actually learning, it teach you a lot of like stuff that's already common sense lah. Yeah, know how how to you know, different types of okay. I, I won't say okay. It's like common sense, but at the same time, it's also quite technical. Like the kind of different kind of leadership styles, uh, philosophies, how to manage people, this and that. I think these are essential knowledge. Yeah. But at the same time, to make it like a like a core module, mm. uh, I it's don't a little know, bit too much. Yeah, it's a little bit too much. <laughs> I mean, this experience is more for, for more for your like first two years, right? But yeah, after exactly. that, because you major in finance, yeah. right? I'm sure it's like a different thing, right? Oh yeah. yeah. How, how, how how are finance classes like? Like oh. I have no idea. Can you like, just share? I have really no idea. Yeah, it, it's a it's a mix of of both um of both uh very very useful mods and uh and mods that also can be quite a waste of time. Yeah, but the good thing is that because I mean you're specializing, right? So before that you already see the description and like the content, so you already kinda know what you want to do. Yeah, but at the same time some I think some mods sell themselves a bit more a bit more fluffily. So you think like, oh this is quite interesting. Then you go there, you realize it's oh, not it's that's why you get you get deceptive, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Copywriting yeah. importance. So I mean for me it's like for me I thought the mods I took were quite useful. Mm. Like all the financial modeling uh, or like the mods to do with like asset management, mm. which actually really directly applies to what I'm doing now. Yeah. So can you give me like a one oh one financial modeling? Like, do you li- what what do you do for financial modeling? The 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 thing I the thing I have in my head is like fin- you literally like create or we say code or something mm. that is able to project the price of future assets, and that's where you trade on arbitrage on and and your financial models are like they have a have a certain percentage of it being accurate. Is it something like that? Like, can you can, tell me mm. what is a what, what is financial modeling? It's actually a whole spectrum. Yeah. yeah. So, but like what you described, you no, know, it's, uh. it's exactly code like sort of like very basic coding and like uh modeling of some sort of financial projections or it could be like DCF models. Sorry, what's DCF model? <laughs> yeah. So, so I mean, there, there are a lot of like financial kind of models that 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 you use to sort of like evaluate uh you know the value of a certain company or asset or to do like projection for financials. So that they can plan, you know, uh, along the years, this is our projected uh, earnings and revenue, and how are we going to, you know, sort of like allocate our assets, uh, in accordance to where we think the market's going, where we think our own projections are going, and from there, you know, basically just to optimize like your workflow, to optimize, and to understand like how well your company is doing and how well it's being valued. Yeah. So, so underneath that will be the financial modeling, and and in NUS the cost is is really. You could even just call it like an Excel course. Oh, it's Excel course. Yeah, it's full Excel. Like really advanced Excel, like In a sense, yeah. there's a lot of variables, a lot of formulas, nice fancy, fo- <laughs> fancy yeah. formulas to combine uh, everything. Is it automate stuff? I would say, I would say it's um okay. The automation portion is is uh, is less because that one is I think a lot more experimental if you want to learn. Uh, so like all these all these basics that they teach you and like how to how to create okay. The thing is, financial models in the finance world is uh a lot of them are quite. Are quite sort of like standardized, yeah. So when you go through the course, you kind of learn about these standardized models and formulas, and and how and how you sort of like build them up from scratch, yeah. So but then behind that, like there's like a little bit coding in the sense that they teach you a bit of VBA, right? Mm. So so how to how to use VBA to to like you know have different variations of formulas inside your model, mm. so that you know if you if you change one number, there's another like another like. 20 tabs that are going to change accordingly mm. and for you to be able to to properly value your stuff basically mm. to have a 
accurate perspective of what's going on is this accurate like accurate yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, okay it's like summing up your experience in NUS business school right aside from let's say missing on all those opportunities like taking advantages of it is, are there any other regrets that you have from NUS business school maybe I, I some I mean I guess after I, I graduated I, I did I did have a thought before like oh like what, what would have life been if I had actually joined hall yeah so so I think that is the only sort of like thing that I Kind of like you know, left untouched. Yeah, I, I'm. Just, I wonder about it, and I think it would have been fun, definitely. Yeah, but at the same time, no regrets, lah. Mm. I have absolutely no regrets, man. Yeah, very nice. I just kind of do my own thing. Right now, you are a trader at QCP yeah, Capital, yeah, right? right? Yeah. What does your company does, and what do you do? Okay, so QCP Capital is uh, is a crypto full crypto trading firm. Yeah, it's essentially like uh, like a little bank in the in the crypto space. Yeah, so just like how banks uh market make for clients, meaning. If you're a hedge fund, for example, and you need to to buy USD against SGD, right? You ask the bank, oh, can you get me a quote on on uh, the USD price? So and then the and then the the bank will give them a, a price. Uh, let's say it's one point three nine or something like that, right? Um, so QCP does this for for the for like Bitcoin for e- for Ethereum, yeah. So we we create liquidity. We and that's exactly what market making is like. You you create market for your clients. So if like your, if my client wants to buy let's say fifty Bitcoins. So they will, they will ask me uh, what's the price of fifty bitcoins, so then I'll give them a price, and if they want to deal, and then we'll then we'll trade. What's the difference between QCP Capital and all those kind of platforms where you can buy, let's say, coins directly on like Coinbase mm. and other? Okay, also uh, so those all those are exchanges. Uh, all those yeah. are exchanges. So those are marketplaces. Where okay, there's a buyer, there's a seller, and they sort of like put their their bid and their offer on the order book. Okay. Yeah, and then you see whether like people meet their price halfway lah. Uh, for QCP, like clients are trading directly with our inventory. Oh, our so book. your company owns a certain amount of assets of different coins. We do, we do, yeah. Oh. so I mean, in a, in a way, it's a little bit like a it's, it's broker it's like brokering uh trades. Uh, but at the same time, it's also against our own because the company is also a prop trading firm, right? So all these things sort of like intertwine. Uh, so like the company could have like a different direction at some point. You know, maybe now we are we have more Bitcoin and we. We are no, we are interested to sell at, at better prices, for example. Yeah, better so prices meaning cheaper prices than you could get other place correct, else, is it? Correct. Yeah. yeah. Like how how do you decide like what kind of price to sell relative to the price at which all these kind of uh, other platforms sell mm. on? Like I mean, what what, the, what is the macro? Like uh, how do you decide on the price like, and everything? Like this I, is quite a big question. I mean, okay. it's like uh, it's like sort of like the company's direction and current. Let's say let's say right now I again I have uh I have like extra Bitcoin because I did some sort of trading. Uh, some sort of strategy that we did in our prop trading. So I have some extra Bitcoin that I need to offload. Uh, instead of, for example, just selling it uh, at, at like exchanges or something, no, you have you have clients who want to buy. So you tell your clients, hey, look, nah, I, I have... Uh, extra Bitcoins. Uh, oh, just we, in, in very finance terms, we, we say we are X. Yeah, X meaning interested, yeah. So we are, we are X to sell. Yeah, so then when, you, when people hear that you're X to, to sell, then they will know that you have uh, better prices than like other places, like you know, yeah. So so on a macro on a macro perspective, it's really about like the company strategy, you know, uh, how how the how the inventory is being managed at that point of time, uh, the current market flow, the volatility, a lot a lot of factors come into play to to sort of like uh, allow us to decide like oh this is I want to sell a better price today, yeah. 
what what kind of clients come to you? Like, is it like really rich individuals, companies that come to you? Like, like private sector, public sector. What kind of clients do you have? I Most, mean, I know you should. Yeah. I don't think you're allowed to like share specific details, but in just like a general yeah, in, industry. in a very general, in a very general sense, okay, it's mostly institutional. Oh, institutional. Uh, like what kind of institutions? Like uh, blockchain companies. Okay. Uh, we also have like we do have a uh, high net worth individuals who you know want to trade their money. Uh, and then and then we have like family offices, uh, like trading houses. Asset management firms, you know, all sorts of companies that, that sort of like just want to get exposure into into crypto, yeah. So so again, like because we create the liquidity for them, so they were like, no, I want to buy, I want to sell, and then you can and they can do it through us. Oh, creating yeah. the liquidity. So Correct. let's say if any time I want to like cash out and I need cash, then yeah. you are the person that I can find. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So that that's a service that we are offering to the crypto space. That's why I say it's like a little bank in the space. Yeah. And then at the same time, of course, there's the the prop trading side of the company. Where uh, we have our we run our own uh, systematic strategies. Is it like a fun of, in, of in, the in of a the way? Uh, no, it's not. It's not a fun. It's not ah. a fun. Yeah. So I mean, in, in a way, it's our own prop fun lah. Yeah. But then, so we are playing with our own money. Yeah. And then sort of like just taking our balance sheet and monetizing that to to generate cash from cash. You know. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I'm, <laughs> I'm okay. I'm a little confused. Right. Like, how exactly does a company make money? Okay, so so like the the service aspect of it, mm. I just mentioned the market making. Okay. Yeah. So when we do a transaction. Yeah. When we do a transaction, basically there are sort of like, uh, there's a spread, right? There's always a bit, uh, bit us spread, right? Um. So so when you make that spread, you are sort of like earning that little margin of the spread that you are that you're spreading your client lah. So so that's one source of revenue. Yeah. And then in terms of and then we have other services also. We do have like no, we manage projects for people. Mani- manage projects as in, yeah. Okay. So so like I think Royal has has already yeah, yeah. mentioned stuff about ICOs, right? Yeah. So what happens was that is that when ICOs they launch their their tokens and they sell their tokens already. Uh, so like the idea of it is that they want it to be listed on exchange so that the tokens can be ex- uh, traded, right? So what happens is that there are companies that they know, for example, need liquidity. So we provide a liquidity for them sometimes if they need to convert between like cash and coin. So that's one aspect of it. And then there's also manage like treasury management. We sort of like advise them or, uh, on how to how to monetize the 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 investments that they have gotten from the ICOs. Mm. Uh, More of a consulting basis, is it? Uh, I mean, I guess it's a, it's an it's a mix of everything. Sort of like advising them to on how to manage like the how to monetize the the assets and how to manage like. What 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 is their philosophy for for the to, uh, for the token project? What is their goal? You know, like is this supposed to be like a utility token? You know? do you, uh, do you, so do you want do you want it to be to be like an like investment token a utility token? Uh, there there are many many different like ways of doing things on how to manage their assets when they get the ICO investments. Yeah, so so we do some of that as well. If I'm not wrong, what Royal does right? He's yeah. a portfolio manager, right? So exactly, yeah. He like. Do you does does your company has like a portfolio manager like portfolio managers? So at, as at well? this juncture, no. At this juncture, no. And so it's more like uh, yeah. So for his is different, right? So so for for Royal was was like getting investors money, yeah. so it's a whole portfolio, and then you you sort of like diversify your assets and like you know, allocate here and there, and then try uh, to they decide what what uh what coins yeah, are worth exactly. betting on, what crypto assets are worth betting correct, on, correct, and like mm. how to basically. Uh, beat the market and try to earn as much money as you can. Mm. So in a, in a way, it's the same for us, lah. No, mm. in in terms of our prop trading strategy, mm. but it's more of like a it's more like a whole company strategy, and then we we work towards earning money for like you know that mm. that flagship, uh, like the, the main company. like prop prop fund, like. Ah. Uh, so it's not investors' money. Mm. Yeah. So that's the difference. Oh okay yeah. okay. 
So yeah, so for ours, we no, there are, there are many many strategies and ways to to mm. to earn money from crypto, lah. Going back one step, right? Because I know I was talking back to, uh, talking with you in NUS Business School. You were already working oh, yeah. with QCP Capital, oh, yeah. right? How what was the story of how you got into this company? Right. So so for me, I think it's a bit different. Um, my my older brother is is a partner at the firm. Yeah. So so when I I was working in school, I was sort of like just helping out, doing part time. Yeah, at the same time, just like uh, I, I guess you could call it a bit like an internship, lah. Yeah. So, so for me, that that's where I started getting my exposure, lah, in this crypto and crypto space. Uh, I think that was like in year three. Yeah. Yeah. So since year three, yeah. So wait, so, so you are working in the same company as a brother right now? Yes, correct. That's correct. cool. <laughs> Did were you the one like asking like like can I just join or was he the one that why 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 not you try why I'm okay, doing? Okay. So so for me like is that. I think the natural inclination or the natural path that I would have gone to would be, you know, applying for the banks. Uh, very particularly, I was gunning for like sales and trading. Uh, I think that that was that was the interesting thing for me. Uh, and so, in a way, what I'm doing now is exactly what I I would have been doing in the bank, but just a lot more fast forwarded. Because mm. uh, not not as traditional, is it? A lot. Okay, a lot more, a lot more niche, mm. and a lot more in in a way interesting because it's a whole different space and no one really uh, know knew about it. Mm. Yeah, so it was sort of like forging a new path, lah, mm. and and it, you have to kind of learn along the way because there's no one else who knows and who can sort of like advise uh. you. Mm. Yeah, so so for me, it was trying something interesting, mm. and it's almost experimental, lah. Mm. And then I realized that the the kind of job functions I'm doing now, because as a trader, right, is is what I've been is what I would have wanted to do in a bank, just that in a lot more like fintech kind of uh, environment. Mm. So for me, that was like, it's a bit of no brainer, lah. Uh. I don't have to deal with like the with like the banking bureaucracy yeah. and like all the layers and the many years of of uh, different like practices that practice have been ingrained ex- into exactly. this culture. Yeah, yeah correct. So uh. this was a I, I you know, I would say like a very dynamic, very new young space. Mm. And that, that resonated with me. Like it almost became like a like a sales and trading slash entrepreneurship, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly, uh, exactly. Mm. I mean, I can you share like the day to day operations when you go in okay, like in big details, like, mm. like when you go to work, right? What are the steps do you what what are the things you do you do every day? So like, so for me as as a trader because like like I mentioned we we are a service company, mm. so so it's very client facing. Like every day I have to talk to my clients, mm. uh, I have to sort of like watch the market. Mm. So okay, I, in in a very broad in a very broad sense, we are running the service operations mm. and making sure that we are. It's a twenty four seven industry by the way. Mm. So because crypto doesn't sleep right, like the yeah. stocks and FX and all like the it's still managed by central exchanges. Mm. So so like on the weekends it actually doesn't trade. Yeah, but for crypto, Saturday, Sunday, public holiday. You need uh, to like, yeah. shit, if it like goes up or goes exactly, down, you need exactly, to know. Yeah. Okay, okay. And very often, a lot of things, like the markets do become uh, volatile, like volatile, mm. uh, like during, even could be New Year, you know, that kind of stuff. So you're always watching. Yeah, so on one hand, I'm I'm running the the service operations. So I'm creating li- creating liquidity, you know, market making for clients. Mm. Uh, on uh, on the other hand, there's a prop trading aspect. You no, know? so we have our own. We are running our own strategies. Mm. So like, if the market uh, starts to get volatile, I'll need to manage, for example, like some of the strategies. You no, know, change mm. some of the allocations, mm. and yeah, sort of like just take care and make sure that everything is running smoothly. Mm. On on like a one hundred percent basis, or how? What percentage are you client facing servicing, and what percentage are you doing this prop uh, trading? Hmm. I or would is say it mostly mostly uh, client servicing or like it's really like an equal allocation. I, I, it's it's kind of like equal allocation. Mm. Yeah, because while it's two different functions, mm. it's still sort of like under the same set of uh is of trading. You know. Mm. Yeah. So so while I'm while I'm sitting there, I, I can look at, at a few things at once. Mm. 
but if you want to talk about like how much time, maybe it's like like fifty fifty lah. Yeah, <laughs> can you sorry? Can you like dumb down prop trading, right? Like, yeah. like you talk about the many levers, like let's say something happened. Let's say the coronavirus. I'm sure mm. that had some. I'm not sure if it had some kind of impact, but I know it did have impact on like more traditional assets like oh, yeah, index funds, sure, right? Sure. But I'm not sure about uh, Bitcoin. But oh, definitely, like, man. Uh, but yeah. like, like, like in such let's say for coronavirus, what are the kinds of things would you need to take note of, and what kinds of things would you do in like prop trading? Mm. In in a, in a very general sense, I know it's yeah. uh, so. Like, so I think people look at. At cryptocurrency, and they think like, no, it's a complete risk asset, and uh. Uh, maybe it's not correlated to the market at all, mm. or they think that no, there's there's absolutely no fundamentals. Uh, I mean, to a certain extent, I, I, you could say it's there true. are different schools of thoughts when yeah, it comes there to is, this. Yeah, there really yeah. is, and so actually, like, it's, people have actually done up charts, you know, to to show that no, mm. Bitcoin doesn't actually correlate with any other asset class. Mm. In a sense, uh, that's good. Yeah, in in a, um, I mean, you don't want things. It's to be interesting. Co- it's, it's interesting, interesting like, yeah. Okay, I would say it's good, <laughs> like, but you like, let's say you wouldn't want to have like multiple investments that are cr- strongly correlated with yeah, each other, right? Correct, Diversify correct. as much as you can. Right. Uh. Yeah. So, like, you would think also maybe that it's uh, more correlated to something like gold. Mm. Is but, it? Uh, but in fact, like I when, don't think when so. studies when the stats were done, mm. the correlation is only like zero point zero eight around there, which is, <laughs> like which is low. Which is low exactly. Uh. So it makes it a uh, very in a way. Fundamentalist, but at the same time, it's not really like I. I think for us, like being in this space for a while, you understand that that just like any financial market, uh, cryptocurrencies like the the market prices they react to to all sorts of traditional uh things that happen in in the world. Yeah. So for example, even coronavirus, of course, definitely affected. Um. For example, you talk about the the time when there's the China US trade, trade the, war, the trade war, exactly yeah. right, the currency trade war. And then there's also like uh, you know the US Iran missile thing. Oh. So all these all these like events actually uh. affect crypto uh. like hundred mm. percent. Yeah, because at the end of the day, it's an investment asset. It's very much a part of mm. the financial markets. Mm. Yeah. So I think like people people who who just think that uh it's not just a risk asset, not just play for fun. Mm. You you buy maybe you buy a five thousand. Is that a, is that a misconception? I, I would say that in a way yes. Uh, mm. In a way it it is uh a risk asset. I mean it is. Mm. But at the same time, I mean, in extreme terms, everything is a, like a yeah, risk. Exactly, yeah, asset. But at the same time, it's it's also actually a very sophisticated mm. uh, asset. Mm. Uh, right now, you see that crypto actually has has options, has futures, basically derivatives. Oh, there's options and futures. There is, there is, I yeah. didn't know. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So just like how, like the normal financial markets mm. uh, progress since like the ni- early 1900s, right, mm. to where it is today. Mm. Like crypto is also progressing in that same way. Mm. So you get, for example, in 1973, that was the one of the global financial crises, mm. and that's where the, sort of the CBOE mm. start uh, launched their first Sorry, official CBOE. It's uh, it's basically Cent- the central exchange body okay. for options la, in okay. US. Mm. Yeah, so they launched. That was sort of like the first official launch of options trading. Mm. Yeah, and that was a natural evo- uh, evolution of the of the market mm. because you in in the financial crisis time. No, people create derivatives to, to sort of like hedge against your the the downturn of the market. <laughs> sorry, can yeah. Sorry, sorry, I'm just talking a bit <laughs> okay, more. Yeah, I think it would be useful to clarify for listeners out there like terms like options, futures, mm. derivatives. I mean, I took a uh, finance modules in NUS. <laughs> I roughly know what it means, yeah. but could, for listeners out there, could you give a very just a brief explanation of what is derivatives, futures, options? So like you say you take you say derivatives to hedge against your the yeah. yeah okay, so so like. Like any, like most assets, right, mm. will have uh, a derivation asset. Mm. Yeah, oh, so, okay. Yeah, so that's why it's called derivative. Mm. Because in options, it, options and futures, for example, they are contracts. Yes. 
they are based on like the main asset class. So they are derived from the asset class and that's why they're called derivatives. Yeah, so for options, there's like calls and puts. Uh, and the most like vanilla, the most simplest terms, like a call is a contract where it gives you the right to buy, you know, like an asset at a certain price. Uh, Regardless a, of what the price of it actually is. Correct, at, yeah. at the date of expiry. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, then and then for puts, there's like, it gives you the right to sell. Yeah, so, so when you have this kind of contract to give you uh, like the right to do this and that, basically creates optionality for you. Because for example, Sorry, optionality. <laughs> yeah, that's why it's called options, right? Oh, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, because it gives you an option. Like uh. for example, if you if you buy a call mm. of asset A, uh, to to buy let's say uh ten thousand dollars, at uh at a certain date, and then when you reach that certain date, and the price of the asset is actually fifteen thousand dollars, right? So this option contract actually gives you the right. To buy it at ten thousand dollars, and that's good for you. Correct. So you can buy it at ten thousand, you straight away sell at fifteen thousand. Yeah, and that, if, yeah. if if that's what you want to do, to sell it at fifteen thousand straight yeah. away. So in, in in the most like vanilla terms, mm. like it gives you the option mm. to buy it at a contract price. So there's the same whole macro, like all these concepts for blockchain. I didn't know that. Yes, okay. yes, absolutely. Oh, that's yeah, cool. Like, yeah. did it start? Like, is it something new? Like, for or did did they have this option of buying futures and options for it's, blockchain since the very start? It's relatively new. Uh. I mean, the the development of the whole space has been it's still very young. No, at this point, I think the market is still very immature, hasn't developed properly yet. But the things that you see, the entry of like derivatives, which is actually the main driving factor of like the, even the traditional financial markets. Like you, you see like, you know, you're buying and selling stocks, etc. And that's actually only the top layer, right? Underneath that is the derivatives where most of the money is actually being like channeled through. Yeah, like the, the volumes that, that people trade in derivatives is a lot bigger than like the spot market. Spot market meaning like the, just like the normal vanilla assets. Lah. Yeah, so, so like what happens is that because there's so much money flow in the derivatives, Der- derivatives actually the derivative sorry the der- derivatives market actually becomes like the fundamenting fundamental driving factor of like how the market behaves yeah so like uh, that's why that's the thing is that, you, that the reason why the market progresses in this way is because like you no know, when you come out of these products um there's in, in a way like there's a lot more control of the market right there's with more money flow through these products you no know, there's a lot more price control uh, no options and futures, for example, bring stability to mm. to the to market to businesses to yeah mm. to to the general financial markets, mm. yeah. And then same thing for for cryptocurrencies. Mm. Right now, super volatile. No, I think over time, after after over years, the volatility will probably you no know, uh start to decrease because maybe yeah maybe start to decrease. Like just how like it's just like how gold was super volatile when it first came out, right? Crazy prices going up and down. But then as the market matures and like there are more products, there are more ways to sort of like uh, create efficiency in the market. Yeah, then the market start like start to behave start to behave uh, more predictably. Lah. Yeah, so same thing for, for cryptocurrencies. It's exactly like it's, it is part of the financial markets, very much so. Yeah, so you know you have the the like you have options and futures developing. And this also what happens is that it, it actually brings in more sophisticated traders. Yeah, yeah. I would imagine so, like hardcore. so. It's no, it's no more like you know. It's oh, hardcore. it's a bubble. You know, I'm just gonna buy. Hopefully, it goes to twenty thousand, and then yeah. I'm gonna sell. So it's it's no more like that anymore. So like you know, start twenty eighteen, it hit like eighteen twenty thousand, right? And then the bubble burst. That was definitely a bubble. Yeah, right. And then it started to go down. So people look at it like, wow, it's, it's like absolute downtrend. 
But actually, I think that is just a that is actually like a necessary correction in the market. Yeah. So as as I, I would say that you no, know, as the market go down, it's sort of like a, a letting go of loose hands. Loose hands meaning like uh, people who are just there for speculation. To, to just randomly trade, you know. I mean, there's a lot of people mm, out lot, there, lot, right? Yeah, that, and that's why, and that's why it, it becomes a dangerous uh, asset to trade, lah. For them. For anybody. For anybody. Yeah, like while while we're still immature and mm. while there's you no know, still less sophistication in the market. Mm. Yeah, but then as as all these like more sophisticated products come up, and then like mm. uh, asset management companies or traders etc. Mm. start to look at it, mm. they will you no. Know, there's a it brings in more more complexity to it. Mm. You no, know, bring like sort of like creates like uh, there's more permutations of the ways exactly, that you could exactly. let's say uh, let's say I'm assuming you as a prop trader right you yeah. like uh, I'm assuming like you buy uh, futures all this kind of stuff mm. within your company for mm. your company to take uh, is that arbitrage or just make sure that yeah. the funds within your company make sense make financial sense at the end of the day something yeah, exactly. like that so the permutations you like you can just use so many tools to yeah. make this happen yeah okay so, sorry <laughs> I need to ask you another stupid question right yeah. like you were talking about how how uh, stocks the transactions is very like this is a top funnel Valina transaction right mm-hmm. and you say that most of what the market uh, is influenced by is like the flow of derivatives and everything right mm-hmm. <laughs> could you like just uh, give an example like like a example of let's say stock and the relationship between stock and derivatives in a more simple way because I I haven't uh, fully understood it yet On, honestly there's I, I can't think of a simple way to explain this okay okay yeah this one is quite like deep level because you you start to, like when <clears throat> when you're doing with like options for example mm. you start talking about convexity what you what yeah uh, you know convexity yeah and then oh. there's you talk you start needing to talk about like uh, the the Greeks like delta and gamma okay yeah, <laughs> so <laughs> this, so these things become like more like a derivation of derivatives you know so oh, so a derivation yeah, of a derivative it's very very technical okay yeah yeah correct correct <laughs> Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. In terms of let's say a common layman which doesn't know much about crypto, right? Or in, mm. in terms of your general investment principle, right? I mean, how can people, how how should layman people go about going into mm. this space if they should, or or like what's your general opinion on people like me who don't know much about industry <laughs> to put my asset and expose myself to Bitcoin? Yeah. Or, or not Bitcoin, but crypto. I, I would say that if you have no knowledge of the financial markets or how to trade. Mm. Uh, then you shouldn't put your money into crypto because Sh- it's so volatile. Shouldn't, Sh- shouldn't, shouldn't, uh, shouldn't. Like, absolutely, is it not even like five percent? No, I mean you, you could do it. Uh. No, like maybe at, with small amounts at the start, just to just to play with it. I think it's quite interesting because of the way how volatile the market is. Then you can you can actually sort of like really buy low and sell high within the day, that kind of stuff. So it, it becomes an interesting thing to experiment on. But if you want to use it as like a as like a proper investment. Like lifelong a powerhouse that that that, uh, com- that occupies a majority of your portfolio is it like let's yeah. say eighty percent or ninety percent of your your investment strategy is based on crypto, like would, my, would, my own or like no no as in like would you advise people to have like for even risky people oh. to have ninety percent of their portfolio personally I mean I I'm yeah, telling def- you personally not man no is it? Yeah. because I'm telling you personally I do know of friends that have that have like put all their bets mm. in the crypto and I'm not I'm not to judge but some of them I feel are what you call it spec speculate. Specula- yeah, speculators Speculators yeah. Are. So yeah. I think it's very dangerous a lot, But yeah. I mean What's the general thoughts On so, people but speculate I, I think that part, part of the fun is Is that it's so volatile And that it's dangerous Yeah right? yeah, And that's why I guess People don't mind doing it mm. But I mean If, you, if you're talking about Having a, a proper Investment portfolio mm. you know, For your own Life Long thing Then I would say that It isn't wise To put too much money Into such a volatile And like young asset class 
okay. it's okay to put like a portion of it to sort of like day trade if you mm. if you have time to do that. That's what you do. Uh no. Uh, no, no, not not really, not, not really. Not really. I mean, for me, like I, I'm trading for the company, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So oh no, no but that's that's what you do for the company. In yeah, sense. correct. Yeah. Okay, okay. So, so like uh yeah, I mean, I don't think people should should put in like majority of the assets. Mm. No, definitely a a minority of the assets. Mm. Uh, no, just sort of like exposure to it. Mm. Uh, and then if your let's say you have maybe five to ten percent of your of your portfolios in crypto mm. and you're watching it properly mm. then no you, you can at least get the upside on the 10 percent mm. but then let's say you have 90 percent of your portfolio and then it's down then you're, oh, it's, it's really mm. down man yeah so it's very dangerous for like let, let's say uh for a layman like me mm. right would you advise like let's say how can i go about having a deeper understanding of this realm given that i'm not like a practitioner industry mm. let's say i'm from the advertising industry right let's say i'm interested or would is I know it's all over the place, but is your suggestion would be to people like me who's not in the space, right, to not really go so deep into it because you don't have a thorough understanding of it? Well, I would say that, uh, yeah, I mean, like like anything, mm. like you you shouldn't go too deep into it if you if you don't, don't already know what you're getting yourself into. Mm. Yeah, but like, I, I I would I would say that if you want to trade crypto, mm. then you make sure that you have the time to watch the market. Mm. Yeah, because. Like every day, the, every second, the price is moving so so much, mm. you know. Mm. So you want to make sure you, you know catch the downside. You want to make sure you catch the upside. Definitely. Yeah. Always. Right. So uh. like, if you if you don't have the time and you're not in in different industry and you're already busy, like you know doing your av- advertising, etc. Mm. So I, it would be di- very difficult to watch the market. Mm. Yeah. So it's I I would say it's wiser to put it in like a more passive investment for yourself. Mm. Mm. Yeah. In terms. Uh, I've read a lot of uh, I, I don't know what these speculative articles mm. in a sense they say that the recession is going to happen this year and I know this is not like re, not in the realm of blockchain la, but um, I mean it actually very much is it uh, very yeah. much is? yeah very much is I what, mean, how, like how so can you just, just like share how, with me? Uh, just like how like, like I mentioned right it, it's the crypto world is like very much a part of the financial markets mm. and because it's such a risk asset that like, like how sometimes okay so what happens is I think logically speaking if you if you let's say you're an investor and you have a portfolio of like traditional assets and crypto mm. and and the, and really something triggers a depression mm. i think what you what you would naturally do is to immediately offload your most risky assets first mm. yeah because you don't because the risky assets will be the most volatile and, be, and, and right? crypto is definitely one of so them so exactly yeah so so it definitely affects you know mm. so like in i would i would imagine that you no know, if there's really a depression People offload their, their crypto assets first. Then the supply in the market, and yeah, people correct, buying, correct, all these yeah. kind of price fluctuations. Correct, right? correct. In terms of investing in general, mm. um, what's your macro principle on it? Mm. Finance majors, right? Like, okay, they, they can day trade, they will see the crowd, oh, okay, yeah. go in, go out, go in. Oh, yes, I earn a lot, all the kind of <laughs> stuff, right? But uh, like for people like me, I'm more in like an advertising role. I don't have my eyes yeah. on the price, or, yeah. or if that's what you call. So my I'm sure my, my strategy is really just buying. Uh, investment that's historically proven to beat inflation yeah, yeah, and sure. like maybe stock pick a couple of companies which I feel or mm. am confident with la, but for a person like you what's your general opinion on it given that you're so heavily entrenched in it yeah, yeah so yeah so like, like I was saying I think for, for most people it, it's I think it's quite vital to to make sure that you find assets that or rather investment opportunities that allow you to definitely beat, beat inflation for sure uh, to and on top of that, get no significant amount of percentage gains. So I I, I would think that there are a lot of there are actually quite a lot of uh, platforms out there like even Stash Away. I'm sure you've heard of that before. That like for example for year 2019 they actually did very well. Like the uh, if you put on the more risky if you put your more risky factor higher right 
And then like the They actually had a I think about 20% 20% 20% and yeah, from, from what I heard Oh yeah. okay yeah, so Which is actually really good But of course that is On the function of the market also Yes la. definitely And because the markets Have been doing well mm. uh, But so for yourself? For myself yeah. uh, For myself I, I actually agree with this With this uh, philosophy Of making mm. sure that you no, know, where, where you don't have the time To to invest act, Like actively invest into, into Or trade assets Then you should find Opportunities where you can just sort of like put it longer term and generate like you no know, interest. You no, know, it could be corporate bonds, could be could be platforms like Stash Away. Yeah. So I mean, but for me, because like I do trade, so so for me, I also I also do trading of options, and and just like normal trading lah. But that's because that's my day job, so I can do it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like personally, do you buy? Uh, like I'm talking mm. about your personal, uh, yeah. like Personally, do you do you buy options? Do you buy I do, futures? I do, I do. Oh, yeah, so like I do buy and sell options. Yeah, so I, I think I think that it's an interesting way to to trade. You know, it's not just like oh, I buy Bitcoin at low price and I sell it at higher price. Mm. I mean that that's the that's the most basic form of it, lah. Of course, mm. it's like newbies. Can be, yeah, which, which <laughs> it honestly can be very profitable. Yes, yes. So, but of course. It can be not profitable as a lot. Yeah, 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 it's both sides <laughs> of the same coin. Yeah, exactly, okay, exactly. But can you share with me your thought process in terms of how you go about buying an options? As I know it's a I, I don't know whether it's a very technical process mm. that you go through, but it's just macro principle steps that you okay, this is an option that should be worth buying into. Mm. So so let's let's talk about you know talk about options trading, mm. right? Mm. Uh so what happens is that you can buy or you can sell options. Yes. Right? So if you buy you are, you will pay money to buy the option. Mm. So you are buying the right. To either buy sell or sell, right? Yeah. Um, either if it's either a call or put, mm. uh, and then you can also sell options. Mm. So when you sell the options, you are giving someone the right to buy or sell from you. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, but then when you do that, basically when you sell, you get something in return, right? Yeah. We call that premiums. Yeah. Option premiums. So when you sell, you get premiums. So you're earning by selling the options. Yeah. So so let's give very basic uh, example. Let's say if you sell a call. Right, at let's say price ten thousand, and then, uh, means you are you've sold your right, you you've sold someone a right to buy from you, at ten thousand dollars. Yeah. Uh, at a certain expiry date. Mm. Oh yes, a certain yeah, expiry date. Correct. So if that person has a right, means you have an obligation. Mm. Right. So let's say the market becomes, uh, eleven thousand at the expiry date. Mm. Right. So what happens is that you you're obligated to sell. Mm. Your asset at ten thousand dollars to him, even though it's even, the actual mar- price even though the market is eleven thousand. Yeah. Correct, correct. So, so if you if you break it down, actually, that is like sort of like putting uh, a limit offer. Mm. Yeah, it's like I put my you, you know limit orders, right? Sorry. Like, like oh, oh, limit limit orders, right? No, I don't. Okay, <laughs> so so let's say if you trade FX or like stocks or these kind of things, you can put limit orders where where let's say I I put a limit order to sell my asset at price ten thousand mm. dollars. So if the market hit reach, reaches there and there's so so yeah when the market reaches there someone is willing to buy my asset at $10,000. Yes. So I will have sold it at $10,000. Yeah. yeah. So it's like it's to put a, a limit to your price mm. and just sort of like let it sit let there it go. And wait. Uh, oh. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, correct. Mm. To to put your okay, you put a limit offer in the market mm. for a certain asset. Basically you're saying okay, I I'm telling the area, I'm telling the market I'm, I want to sell my asset for $10,000. Mm. Uh so I'll just leave it there first. Mm. And then when the market re- price reaches to that ten thousand dollars, someone who is willing to buy will we'll will hit my limit offer. Mm. Yeah, so he will buy ten thousand. I will have sold at ten thousand. Mm. Yeah, so it's basically just putting like an order lah, putting mm. an order and leaving it there. Mm. Yeah, so options like let's say I like I say I, I sell a call right, mm. 
I, I gained premiums for it. Yeah. I, at $10,000 uh, asset. Mm. So I'm essentially putting a limit order. Mm. But instead of just putting a limit order in the market, I'm putting a limit order, uh, a limit offer, and I'm getting premiums for it. Mm. Yeah. Mm. That, that, does that make sense? You you put it out in the market and if, there's, if it ever hits that price, people buy it and you get a premium for it. Yeah, yeah. correct, correct. In that sense. Yeah. So, so okay. in, a way, in a way, you're trading the, the, the spot market. Mm. So yeah, yeah. If you sell a, a call, you're essentially putting a limit offer. Mm. If you sell a put, you're essentially putting uh, a limit bid. Mm. Is there anything more you'd like to share about crypto in, in, a, in a sense to the, let's say, a young graduate, right, thinking of majoring in finance and, and interested in this mm. uh, blockchain industry, right? What, mm. what kind of advice would you give to him or her that is mm. like, Starting to have an interest in this industry because, okay. like you said, this is a very exciting space, right? Is, the kind of com- the kind of companies you work at, I I, I would believe that it's like very fast paced, more flexible in terms mm. of the kind of strategies that you can want to make, right? Mm. Uh, perhaps I'm making a lot of assumptions here, not yeah. as not as free and fluid as let's say someone in JP Morgan might do. Like there's a lot mm. of uh, bureaucracy that you need to work around, la, But what kind of uh, general thought process and advice will you give to someone to who is who might be in- interested in this industry? Okay, okay. Mm. So I would say uh, be absolutely open to it mm. as any finance student should be mm. uh, because uh, like, like I mentioned so many times, right? it's so mm. much a part of the financial markets mm. you know, and it's young, it's growing, there's a lot of opportunities, a lot mm. of potential. Mm. So I would say that it, it's something, it, the, this whole space being new and something different from like the, the traditional markets or like mm. just banks mm. uh, is it, in itself, I w- would think, very appealing. Mm. Yeah, because it becomes like a bit of like fintech dynamic space, you know. Like I wear like this to, to office. I don't need to wear yeah. like, yeah. Like, no, <laughs> I don't know. Like, personally, for me, one of the criteria I had, right, was to be able to wear like this. Exactly. Informally. Because <laughs> I hate, okay, I don't know. I think it's a bit strong, but I don't like putting on like Ooh, a I hate, suit. I hate <laughs> wearing shirts, man, and suits, yeah. Oh, so was oh, it? Okay, okay, I see. But yeah. more of the kind of uh, flexible environment. Yeah, like so I think it's very office. dynamic. It's extremely fast paced. Mm. You know, I know a lot of people like, like, you know, the, mm. the excitement, the fast mm. pace, you know, mm. they want challenge. Mm. And I think this space uh, mm. gives a lot of it. Mm. You no, know, it's not just in terms of like the market movement or the trading. Mm. It's also in terms of like you no know, regulations. You no, know, mm. a lot of new regulations are coming up. Mm. You know, how is this market going to develop as these mm. regulations come up? Mm. You no, know, there's also like the way it, you know, the, the asset itself is being developed as a technology. Mm. You know, how is it going to be used uh, in the world one mm. day? Uh, even right now, let's say in China, they are coming up with a tokenized yuan. Wow. The DCEP, yeah. So, wow. so, so I think they're already starting to roll out uh, this tokenized yuan, which is, which is not a separate currency. It is one-to-one with the yuan and, and the plan is to have it as a, you know, a, a proper national currency. As, as, like this is by the Chinese government, is it? By the Chinese government, yeah. So, wow. so this is actually like the first time that you know, they are rolling out uh, completely centralized uh, tokenized. It's like a paradox, yeah. you know. It's a it's an absolute paradox, yeah. Like a centralized, decentralized thing. Exactly, exactly. Oh. And that's why it's so interesting. Oh. Right, so now you see, uh, like, now there's like, no digital banking and all yeah. this stuff. So like, in China, for example, you pay everything through WeChat, mm. through Alipay. Mm. And can you imagine, like, if they, if they successfully roll out all this, all this tokenized yuan, right? Mm. Then it just becomes complete di- digital currency, and it's so easy to move around. You you do like away let's with say the if, like currency exchanges. Like yeah. say for me, if I want to buy something on Taobao, I can use a tokenized yuan yeah, exactly. instead of incurring credit card charges or the correct, kind of stuff. Correct. Wow, this is interesting. Yeah. So the idea the idea behind it is basically to to remove the fric- the banking friction. So yeah. any other only frictions that might come in between, mm. uh, like with centralized institutions. Mm. 
Yeah, so no, it reduced costs, mm. and I think for for China also because um because it's on the blockchain, mm. everything can be seen. So if it's tokenized, then basically you see the complete transparency of the movement there of the currency. There is no such thing as like manipulation of currencies. I, everything. I, I, I don't know lah. You don't know like yeah. this. Yeah, I was about to follow up like, like yeah. because you know I I okay no no political like <laughs> China being China right. There's so much things that happens behind the scene. I, I this is an assumption yeah. There's a lot of conspiracy theories are like. That's cool. Okay, then that's cool. Right. Yeah. So I mean, but I guess by drawing back to the to yeah the why why yeah, this why, industry. Right? So so I think just drawing these examples is really really interesting. You I feel do it's like a game. It's like a, a it's way, a fun game way, professionally. Yeah, you know? Exactly. Mm. It's a lot of innovation to be had. Mm. You know, a lot of new products that will come out along the way. Mm. And yeah, I definitely don't rule it out because if you're interested in finance, at the same time you're interested in tech, mm. you're just interested in even just like working in a startup kind of culture. Mm. You no, know, crypto space basically gives you all of this. Damn, that's, yeah, that, that sounds exactly. attractive. That sounds exactly. attractive. Okay, moving on to another thing, right? Uh, yeah. Unrelated to blockchain or crypto, right? Uh, you say you read books, right? You're an avid reader. Right? What kind of books do you read that are worth that you think are worth sharing with others as well? Oh, what like the genres? I think, I think over books? the years, like the the genres have have been very varied. Mm. It's just like what do I feel like reading at this point of time? I just mm. read lah. So I used to really love fantasy books, mm. like in like The Witcher. Mm. Oh, so, okay. right. So so like when when Netflix came out, Witcher, I was you extremely excited. Yeah. How did it fare compared to the book? I I thought that it was actually very well made because of like the main the main actor. Oh damn. Yeah. So I I thought he really personified like the character in the book. Mm. Right. At the same time, there's also the game. I played the games. Oh, well, the, the games. I would say that even up to this point, it's still the the best computer game I've ever played in my life. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. So like, it's just so immersive. I mm. mean, that for me like, mm. for fantasy genre, mm. I really enjoy. Like, I enjoy a lot of the Rings, mm. the Harry Potter, anything mm. fantasy. Mm. Yeah. So when 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 they created the Witcher mm. out of the book or the games. I was like, well, I was extremely mm. excited. It was like the highlight of, of my year, man. Oh, <laughs> like when it comes to other fantasy books, right? Is there any kind of topics that like, other mm. other books that excite like like your favorites essentially? I of would all say, like Witcher. I would say so far, The Witcher has been my favorite, mm. but that's because I played the games, lah. So I think oh. that's just the idea of immersion. And how, I, how far I, I've been the character? How far ago was this like duration before they they announced that they, they were doing it on like one Netflix. and a half two years ago? Oh, one and a half yeah, two years ago. Correct, okay, correct. yeah. Mm. So, but okay, but I mean that's just fantasy. I, mm. Right now, I I don't read a lot of fantasy anymore. Mm. Yeah. So now, do you read like really technical books related to day I, trading? I, I do once in a while, lah. I once yeah, in a while. But those books aren't the most ex- most exciting. Uh, so, uh, so. Royal sharing is like textbook, like You need to do a question and answer yeah, the kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, So, so like I, for me, when I read, I like to sort of like just immerse myself into the narrative of the book. Because mm. I think I think reading is a lot about emotions, a lot mm. about feeling. Mm. You no, know, like what the writer is trying to portray. Stepping right? into the shoes of exactly. the character. Exactly. So you are more of like a narrative. Uh, yeah, leader. absolutely. Yeah, so so I would say I think the the latest currently I'm reading this book called Pachinko. Mm. Okay. Yeah, very familiar. Yeah, a good friend of mine recommended it to me. Mm. Uh, seemed like quite a random book at first, but then mm. when I read it, I was like, wow, it's it's a really really powerful book. What's the gist of it? So it basically follows the narrative of this Korean family set mm. during like the the time when Japan was ruling over Korea. Mm. Yeah, so it's about how this family had to from move move from. Korea to uh, Osaka mm. to sort of like try to live their lives but then uh, and how how the the kind of discrimination that they, ca- that they oh, face discrimination yeah. like Japanese against the Koreans Correct, yeah. wow shit the kind of discrimination that they face uh, the kind of struggles that they had to go through mm. you know being an, sort of a foreigner and to o- Japan an outsider yeah 
Because I mean there there's so many and then there was also the Korean War and everything. Mm. So you no, know, they had their families going going to war and everything. Mm. Yeah, so it follows like the narrative of this one family. And it's just very real. Very it's very realism. Mm. Yeah, and how Wh- when was this setting in? Like nineteen forties? During the First World War. Yes, correct, correct. Yeah, before oh. and during la. I don't know, I think it's just fascinating how like like when I see, okay, this is like a random yeah. topic, right? Like, you know, Chinese uh, Koreans, Japanese, mm. technically, you're like Asians in a sense, yeah. like different variants of Asians, right? Yeah. But yeah, there still can be this kind of discrimination. I think, exactly. it's, and yeah. I think it's real. Is it is it based on a true story? Uh, I mean, it's based on historical facts. Yes, right. But then mm. I think the family is completely fictional, wow, But when was it? Re- when was this book written? Oh, I don't know, man. Oh. I, I don't know when it was written. Oh, no, okay, but no, okay. it's, it's actually. I think it's quite. It's quite a contemporary book. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's just a. It's just a depiction just a of story. The Period, uh, depiction yeah, of the times during those periods. Right. Yeah. So it's just it's just a story set in in that historical context. Is there a movie on this book? Pachinko? I don't know. I don't know actually. What the, the name of it sounds damn familiar. Yeah. It's like I thought it's. We, we can we can Google that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> we Google that. Are there any other books that you're reading or oh, yeah, devouring no, I, on? I, before Pachinko, I, I read um, uh, when breath becomes air. Oh, that I I didn't. Uh, how what's the gist of the book? So that book is a, is about it's actually an autobiography mm. of this uh, neurosurgeon. Mm. Who who got oh. I think brain can some yeah brain cancer I think oh then he was going to die then yeah there was a book that he was writing correct correct so so that was his 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 narrative of his own life uh from the day he he was born or no he no, was no, fighting no. against yeah this basically brain the progression of how he faced death ah oh. yeah and the the reality of it oh, this, yeah this so it's extremely dark, extremely uh sad book oh. but at the same time very cathartic. Because mm. like you just see how like he goes through that whole phase of like um, denial and how you no know, at some point he feels like oh maybe I'm gonna survive this and like a, a glimpse of hope exactly uh. yeah at some point uh no just something sort of like accepting reality you know I'm gonna die mm. you know, what, what am I gonna do the rest of my life mm. yeah and how after ending uh no what what he basically this whole process you no know, sort of like the evolution not evolution more like the, the Thought process that he was going yeah, through correct. the ups and downs, the middles. Exactly, everything. exactly. Oh, yeah. So I, I, I would say dark. that book changed my life a bit. Wow, how how yeah, so? Because uh, it was so it's so real. I mean, it's real, right? It's factual. Yeah. So so to see, I know the the reality of someone facing death mm. and how he sort of like deals with it and and pans down his thoughts throughout mm. this and how he analyzes his life and and how. No, just what how do you mean how he analyzes his life? Like the Yeah, so because I mean as your as your as he was facing death death, right? Mm-hmm. The impending death. You no know, f- to him it was like, you know, at this point, you know, should I go through and and continue uh you know, starting my family, you mm. know? All the way from how he deals with his relationships, you know. Mm. Uh should I get married? Mm. You know, I'll be you a complete burden people, to my yeah. wife. Mm. And you know, should I get kids? Mm. Because they'll end up having no father. Like, yeah. Very, very early Shit. on. Stuff like this. Deep questions, man. Very, very deep questions, uh. yeah. So I mean, for me, it just got me thinking like, wow, you know, what would I do if I had cancer and, and well, I knew I was going to die in like a month's time? What would you do? I don't know. Don't know. <laughs> I, I really don't know. Either, I, I think it's hard Shit. to answer this question until... <laughs> Freaking difficult. <laughs> but when it happens to you, I guess, it happens you to you. You just have to do it. Like, you know, just live life. I, mm. I don't know, really. Mm. Yeah. Are there any... What are the lessons that have you taken from this book? So I I think for me, what I've taken away is just you just got to be very real with yourself, you know. Like life is the way it is. I mean, let let's not get into like the whole idea of religion and all that. You know, maybe there are exact maybe there are external factors, right? More metaphysical stuff. But at the same time, I think you no, know, the universe sort of like just plays out 
the way it plays out, and that you and you and obviously you can't do anything about it. So for me, like what I got away from this book is just you got to face reality all the time. You got to make sure that you are super grounded and that you what you're doing is you no, know, it's a very logical process. You know, it's it's about making sure that you, you know that your headspace, you no, know, your 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 mental capacity is all is all kept intact. You no, know, as you go through life, make sure that you that yeah, just sort of like living out your best life, I guess. This is yeah. true. What what books are you going to read? I'm I'm planning What's to read read this book called Wake Up by Sam Harris. Okay. Yeah. So. Uh, this this uh, book is quite his, interesting. What's his con- What's the context of what was who who Sam Harris sounds like a very familiar name. Yeah, I, no, he's written quite a few books actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, all the way Wake from up. like, well, but most of his books are pertaining to like, to like um, to like the mind. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Consciousness. Like, oh, okay, mind. okay. Yeah, no, I think he did go a bit into like religious stuff. Mm. But but I didn't I didn't look into all those. Mm. Yeah, so like there's this book called Wake Up by Sam Harris. I think. I haven't read it yet, lah. So, mm. but the synopsis look quite interesting. What's your impression of it? Yeah. What does it cover in in a in, in a synopsis? In the synopsis, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, so he says that you no, know, he he took like about ten years to to write this book. Yeah. So I think he went to study uh, neuroscience and went basically went to experiment went to went to research about like you no know, consciousness and the mind and how and how the, uh you no know, spirit spirituality plays into like to like uh you no know, the mental the mental mm. scape. And how people can achieve spirituality mm. without no the no without the medium of of religion, for mm. example, mm. and no, he you know, he he talks about a lot of interesting stuff all the way from like psychedelics. Yes, yes. Uh, are you yeah. familiar with psychedelics? I uh, do. You, what kind of content do you absorb? Like sometimes when the, how I got to know about psychedelics, mm. right? It's like through Joe Rogan. Like, okay, I, okay. Not sure, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, do, do you listen I, to this podcast? I, I don't. I don't actively listen. I mean, I listen I, because there's so many episodes, right? But once yeah. in a while, because there are like popular guests like Elon Musk, Kevin Hart, or Robert mm. Downey Jr., I do listen to it. Yeah, like, then exactly. he talks about psychedelics. Yeah. It's just like, like there's this thing like spirituality, how you can like really achieve through drugs mm. and all this kind of stuff, lah. But, um, but so this book talks about it, is it? Like in a it, it sense, does, it does actually. So okay. it does actually talk about like uh taking psychedelic drugs and how mm. that sort of like in a way. Opens up like a new dimension yes. of consciousness. Mm. Yeah, I think I think this is probably difficult in Singapore. Like, yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's illegal, yeah. so you yeah, can't do I, mean, it. I don't know. <laughs> we can talk so much about it, but I mean, because like I know in America, I don't know where's like legalization of drugs or everything. Because like marijuana, mm. do you think I know this is just a theoretical, <laughs> hypothetical discussion, right? Because I'm really gonna post this, but do you think ever in Singapore history, like, will we ever legalize that kind of drugs? Like, like because you see psychedelics, right? I mean, as far as the content I've absorbed of, of it, mm. right, uh, it helps in that way. It let's say it's helpful for people who have let's say depression mm. or this kind of mental uh, uh uh state of mental needs la. Yeah, exactly. But do you think ever in our lifetimes will will let's say LGBT marriage be allowed? Man, will, these are big ma- questions. Ma- ma- I, know that, <laughs> I know these are big questions. Just that things are I feel like yeah like, because we are just like technically Singaporean youth. Mm. Uh, we I feel that we are very different from the next generation. So mm. I I don't know about you because I I mean I meet you like once in a few <laughs> years, right? But what's your general take on it? Because I in my Perspective. I think a lot of us are open to it, but do you think? I know. I know. It's just like it's probably a pointless question to ask, lah, But mm. do you think it will ever happen in our lifetime? Actually, actually, I I do think it's possible. Mm. Like 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 for which? <laughs> for both. For for both actually. For both. Okay. I, I actually think so, but no. But when I ask my my like lawyer friends about like lawyer friends, yeah, because like there's a whole LGBT thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. When I ask them about it, like they're really two completely radical schools of thought. One yes. will be saying that how how tight you know, our Singapore legislation is and because of that 
like it's quite impossible for mm. for non LGBT rights, for example, to to come into fruition. Yeah. Uh, however, uh, then there's there's another school of thought that says like you know like because society is changing because like the preferences and the thoughts of people are changing, um, so it might be possible. You no, know, maybe when there's like a complete takeover of of like you know psycho- psychological thought. Mm. Yeah, you no, know, in in like the government uh, aspect of, of it. Mm. So so who knows? But in terms of um legalization of marijuana, right? You, I I would think actually it's possible. Although really, yeah. I, I think so. No, I but in a very controlled sense. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because I know our neighboring countries are you know, legalizing medical marijuana. Yeah. Yeah, I I think Thailand and Malaysia. Oh really? Okay, honestly, I'm not I'm not sure about. Yeah. That. So so I I think is is those two countries. Uh, the last I read, uh, news on this. Mm. Uh, so. I think in a very business perspective, because Singapore Singapore is actually like a medical Hub. one one of the pillars is like you know medical tourism, especially right? within a region. Exactly, exactly. So I think to be competitive with you know, the, our our neighboring countries, we also have to sort of like follow up with the medical tourism times. Mm. Yeah, so I would think it's possible in terms of like very very medical use, mm. but then in terms of like. Uh, what we call that? Like casual use, is it? Yeah, like yeah recreational, casual, recreational consumption. Yeah, I don't think that's gonna happen. Uh. If not, not, lifetime, anytime uh, not anytime yeah, soon. Not in our lifetime. I, okay, I know this is a freaking random question. Have a, uh, would you ever want to be a politician? <laughs> okay, the reason why I ask, right? Yeah. You see, in terms of making all this kind of change, right? At least within the social circles, I have an NUS business school. Mm-hmm. Right? I haven't really met anyone, right? That is inclined towards uh politics, lah. Because recently I had a podcast with a politician as yeah. well, lah. Then he says like, you like us are totally. Out of touch with politics, and <laughs> like we don't didn't really care lah. But yeah. um, I mean, what's the general thoughts on it? Because I feel like we didn't know because this really is in context with our social circles. Yeah. My social circle is definitely very different from yours lah. But mm. uh, what yeah, what's the general take on politics? Okay, not to ask my political like <laughs> agenda or whatever lah. But um, I don't know. Random question: Would you ever? Do you think the idea of politics ever? appeal to you because let's say when it comes to making changes on that level mm. right you only can make it at like a national level right and you and really the only way to really do that is through being a politician that's but, true uh, that's yeah. true yeah yeah but okay i know this is freaking like going anywhere but what was the general thoughts on it i do you, okay first sorry level one i'm all over the place right do, do I you have any any friends yeah who are interested in politics because for me of all my friends i only know one. Oh, I, I actually do man i like maybe but not not many maybe okay. one or two friends mm. yeah but uh, but like it's, it's yeah. I mean, I I do have one or two friends who sort of like in or a couple of friends like in in like the politics realm. Mm. But whether they are gonna grow Be up to become politicians in the mm. future, I, I really question. don't know. Yeah, yeah, it's a whole different thing. But if you ask me whether I, I'm interested in politics, not at all, man. Not yeah. at all, yeah. I, I think I think he was right about saying that. You no, know, our a lot most of our generation. Mm. No, actually, no. It's not really. It's yes and no, yes and no. Because we are at a point of our lives where we are focused at perfecting our craft, whether yeah, it's our exactly, career or exactly. whether it's our relationships or whatever. So technically, politics doesn't really appeal to us. In there. I feel it's yeah, a bit sad. Way, but, but I think it's a, a bit hard to, to categorize like yeah. that. Because, yeah, like, because if we are only two people, like, correct, we don't have no opinions yeah. on the macro. Because like, I mean, if you're, let's say you're studying law. Uh, oh yeah, or then you put, put it in a better context yeah, to understand. Or like, right? you know, you're working in like some ministry mm. or yeah, some like government scholar. Yeah. Yeah, I guess, I think it puts you in like a whole different sphere of yeah. like your your ability to make change. Yeah, exactly. All kind of stuff. Okay. Yeah, like, like. So I mean, for me, I'm just like I just want to trade and make money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I really don't want to care about politics. Yeah. Although, of course, politics does you know, come into play and how it does influence like the financial industries markets, and markets. Uh. Yeah. Mm. But that's what you like, la. That's what your yeah, interest yeah, is in, yeah. 
Okay, uh, right, random, right? Uh, ending of this podcast, right? What's the best advice have you ever received? Best advice I've ever received? Yeah. Not, not, not necessarily pertaining to career or whatever, but just in general. The top one that comes to mind. Okay, I see. Oh, your you, know, you know what? Actually, this is a very random uh, story. Because mm. uh, there was this one time I, I had to rush down to, to Hong Kong for some interview. Mm. Right? And that was like the internship days. Mm. Yeah, and then. Uh, I was going from from somewhere in Europe lah, mm. but then like the because of like hail and everything of weather like, weather yeah, mm. so like there were flight delays, and and then I, I was like a bit panicky lah because I'm just like well no, I really don't want to miss this interview and all yeah. you know? so so what happened is that uh, we I think we stopped at Frankfurt, then I was just like having a random chat with this like German like half German and half the no one dude that's yeah, cool very very a cool r- guy. random chat random chat cool yeah, because okay. we were on the same flight yeah. So I was looking at him and walking, and then I was just saying like, "Oh, this this is such a such a hassle," huh. and and like, well, I, I was a bit like, you know, jittery like. Yeah. And then, then he looked at me, and he was just all like cool, and like, <laughs> and then he, he looked high? at me. He was like, he was like, "It is what it is, bro." Oh. Yeah. Then I, then when he said that, I was just then he was he was just like a, he was like completely cool, like a, he was like a random sage in my life, you know. Yeah. yeah he was just like, "No, it is what it is, bro," and like, no, just whatever comes, whatever comes, just. It is what it is. Yeah, it is what it is. Yes. That's interesting. Yeah. What's the worst advice have you ever received? Worst advice I've ever received. Yeah. This is a tough one. Is, is there like a worst advice? Like someone that told you something that you wish you didn't adhere or listen to it to a certain extent? I, I would think the worst advice would have come from myself. Mm. Yeah, I think like no, interesting. like going into university, for example. Mm. Like, you know, I think... I think it's quite common for a lot of us to like think, you know, oh, go to university is our last chance to, to prove to ourselves that, that you no, know, I am a smart person. <laughs> I can do, I can perform academically, okay. right? <laughs> and then you're going with that mentality, thinking, oh, I'm just gonna chong, you know, if I, if I like class part, I'm just gonna run people over. You no, know, that's kind of stuff. <laughs> I, I run think, people over. I, I don't know, man. I, I know, I know, <laughs> I know, what I, mean, know what I mean. I know, right? what I, mean, yeah. I know what I mean. So. I think like going to university that that was like part of my mentality. I was just like, no, I just want to make sure I I do best my best at academics, no. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think along the way I realized that mm-hmm. that 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 didn't really fit so well with like my personality and like the kind of experience I wanted to have. Yeah. So like I said, like uh, no, my best takeaway, my best takeaways would would be like the friends that I have made, mm-hmm. for example. So. So and that that becomes like you no know, completely separate from like this whole goal of you know telling yourself oh I want to uh, I want to chong and just first class all that kind of stuff. But I think you come in the working world and you realize that those things really don't matter so much. Yeah, maybe mm. you can look back and say oh I got first class honors, mm. and yeah that's a wonderful thing. You no know, kudos to you right. But then at the same time, like if it was at the expense of something, let me say making friends or like just having a very fun experience in school, mm. like was it would it have been worth it? Yeah. Again, I like, know we no, don't ever know. Yeah, but I, no, I completely agree with you. Yeah. Like looking back, like, it, it, it's more so of the friends that you made, the memories, mm. the crazy things that you did, right? That yeah. mattered more than just a piece of paper correct, or whatever correct, yeah. grade that you got at the end of the day. Yeah. One year from now, what tangible things will need to happen to you to make it the best year for your life? Best year of my life. Tangible things. Tangible. So I I think I think like. In the generation and age that we are at, at now, and like you know, I think we see a lot of like traditional crafts, uh, random like but just traditional crafts like pottery, and I know like wood making and like metal smithing that kind of stuff like coming becoming more popular. I I think it's it's a it's actually a trend like in in our age because 
right now there's a lot of emphasis on like mental health mm. a lot of emphasis on like you no know, sort of like doing creating something producing something and, mm. and that sort of like uh, edifies your life mm. and I think in, in following that trend and, and I do agree and I, I do see the, the appeal of it you know as, as people start to understand and be more aware of like making sure that that they are not sort of like having having fun having something purposeful in their lives mm. uh, so this whole idea of of like learning new things mm. you know doing pottery for example mm. Or maybe go and like if you've been telling yourself you want to learn an instrument mm. for the for the past many many years. Mm. Like for myself, I always wanted to learn drums, but I just never got down to it. You look like a drummer, though. Really? Do you yeah. know Tim? Tim uh, yeah, from SM Business. Ah, uh, from NUS Business. Uh, he's a drummer, right? Oh, I know which Tim you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a drummer. He's also from AC, right? He was on Asia's International. Oh, oh, different, different. And he's a drummer, right? So you're gonna learn. So you're gonna learn drums. Yeah, no, I've always been interested in the instrument just because like it looks fun, right? But then I just never got down to it. You look yeah. like a drummer. <laughs> <laughs> I take that as a compliment. Uh. Yeah. So so I think like for me, you talk about tangible things. I, I will I will not mention I mean career is is a given, right? Mm. You want to do your best, you want to make as much money as you can. Mm. Uh make sure you get the best promotion. Mm. But I think aside from that, I think those things are like sort of like very given. Mm. But I think the thing the things that we can really take control of uh, outside of that to sort of like make your life a bit more you no. Know, make sure that you holistic, you're, you're holistic and your yeah. mental health is intact. You know? uh. Is is to is to do these kind of activities that are mm. very uh, therapeutic. Mm. You know, a lot, a lot, of, a lot of things that gives you that gives you the 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 headspace to be able to make sure that that everything in your life is fine, like, You know. Mm. Yeah. So for me, I think it would be learning new musical instruments like drumming, mm. or reading more books, mm. and maybe trying out pottery because like everyone looks like they're having fun do doing you, pottery do I know a pottery instructor if you want me to link, link you sure, out sure why not okay okay okay, <laughs> okay uh, Darren thanks so much for joining me on this thanks, podcast right? if it. there are any listeners that want to reach out to you in terms of finding out the work that you kind of do right? Mm-hmm. where where, you're mo- where are you most active on um, then where people can reach out to you is it email LinkedIn yeah, Instagram any, actually, actually any anywhere any anywhere is good yeah, mm. yeah. Uh, LinkedIn, uh, LinkedIn, yeah, LinkedIn. Okay, I'll be, I'll be linking your, yeah, I'll be linking everything below in this video. Okay, so okay. if you are ever in, uh, interested in getting in touch with Darren, I'm sure that he'll be able to help you out in this kind of blockchain related field. Uh. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, thanks so much, man. Thanks, man. I appreciate your time.